Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Our last college podcast of the year, probably, Aaron. Uh, maybe we'll do one after the Caldwell Series, but it's Caldwell Series finals time. And uh, you're, you're, you're headed for the end of your two weeks, uh, two weeks at Omaha. So first of all, thanks for going all two weeks at Omaha for us. I know it's not easy to do, but hope you're having a good time. Oh, I love the College World Series. It's, uh, it's a long couple of weeks, but it's a, it's a great couple of weeks. You know, I mean, the, the, this, this place is, uh, is just it's special this time of year. And it, it has been a weird College World Series with the weather and the flooding and the new ballpark. And, uh, it, you know, it hasn't had the same vibe as it's had before, but uh, it's, it's still been very interesting. I tell you, it seemed like the vibe this year really it was having you – know, last year's vibe was a weird vibe because it was the yeah. last year and the old park. And then you had a couple of those days where the attendance was terrible, remember? Yeah, like yeah. One day and Tuesday where there were like 10,000, 12,000 people there. And, uh, and so last year was a strange vibe. And now this year, obviously the first time, a little bit different vibe. But uh, on the field, we should have a great finals. Florida preseason number one, end of the regular season number one, versus South Carolina defending national champion, a team that's already beaten Florida in the regular season, a team that basically lost one series all year and uh, had a bad SEC tournament, I guess, uh, you know, by their standards. They really had two bad weeks slash weekends all year, and otherwise had just taken all all comers and beaten them. I mean, pretty impressive, two pretty impressive clubs all the way around. It's, um, it's- to me, it's it's perfect. I mean, you've got like you said, you've got preseason number one, postseason number one against the defending national champions who've got a 14 game postseason winning streak. I mean, it's uh, it's it's you know two juggernauts really. It really is. I know South Carolina uh, on paper, you know, doesn't look like uh, like there is intimidating. You know, the, the way the way Coach Tanner I think said it was, we haven't we haven't been a formidable team all year long, uh, and uh, you know. He likes to stand back a little bit, but he's right. I mean, they're not a team that's going to go out and blow you out, but they win every close ga- close game in the late innings, it seems like. Yeah, it's amazing. And, um, you know, how did we get here? We got here by Florida beating Vanderbilt twice and beating uh, Texas. And we have South Carolina that beat Texas A&M. And, and really the, probably the best game of the Caldwell Series because it was thrilling. There was one terrible inning, but both teams scored four runs. Each team scored four runs, I should say. And then you had some really good pitching, and then the ninth inning where you know South Carolina won that game in the bottom of the ninth on Scott Wingo's hit. And then you know you, you had their two victories against Virginia, which were uh, one game where they pounced on Will Roberts, and then one game where Danny Holson was dealing, and then that war of attrition that became Friday night. Let's talk about those two semifinal games, Aaron, on Friday, the bracket championships, because uh, Vanderbilt and Virginia, those were both winnable games for those two teams, and you had some questionable pitching moves by the two uh, by, by all four head coaches really um let's start with the florida vanderbilt game i guess my question was did you get the feeling in that game that kevin o'sullivan was just getting tommy toledo and nick Miranda and greg larson some work or did he use those guys because he really thought that was his best way to win the game 
Uh, you know, I think he did think it was his best chance to win the game. I mean, you know, Kevin O'Sullivan has a lot of faith in his bullpen, and he's used uh, uh, six or seven guys back there pretty regularly. They've all gotten a lot of work, and I think that's one reason that I, I love the coaching job he's done this year is he's gotten, you know, he's coached the whole season preparing for right now. You know, he's used a lot of different guys in the bullpen in order to keep them all fresh, in order to keep his starters fresh. Uh, you know, and those guys have really good arms. I think he, he trusts Tommy Toledo and he trusts, uh, uh, you know, Greg Larson, certainly, and, uh, you know, Nick Morande. And, and, and Vanderbilt, member is, is right, left, right, left, right, left all the way through. So I think it helps if you can use a number of different arms and match up. And, and you know, get, I, I think it's good that Sully managed that game the way he's managed the whole season, too. I mean, he got six innings out of his starter, which is what he really wanted. And then he turned it over to his bullpen. And usually that's worked for him this year. Uh, Friday, it didn't, but they, they still found a way to win the game. And then, of course, Vanderbilt, conversely, did not use its bullpen the way it has used its bullpen all year. Usually in a tie game in the eighth inning and Sonny Gray has gone 125 pitches, he's out. He comes out of the game. Tim Corbin's explanation of, well, he wanted the ball. I couldn't get the ball. That, that's bull. That, you know, that's a good cover. I understand why people's why head coaches say that. I'm not saying that Tim Corbin's, you know, I'm not, I'm not making any judgment on him saying that. I understand that's what you say in post game, but it doesn't wash. You know, you're the head coach. You take the ball from your pitcher's hands and you give it into your bullpen because that's what you've done all year when your pitcher's thrown 125 pitches and it's the eighth inning. So yeah, and and you know, it's it's like I think we've talked about. Uh, it's not like Sonny Gray was dominating or cruising along. He'd given up something like 12 hits. There were multiple base runners aboard for almost every inning that he was out there, every inning but one, I think. Um, you know, it, and, and he sat through a long top of the seventh and a long top of the eighth. Uh, it, you know, there was no reason to send him back out there for the bottom of the eighth when he's already sitting at 125 pitches. It just, it didn't make sense. And, and we're not second guessing because we were all first guessing at the time. Yeah. I'm, I think it cost them the game personally. I think they gave back every bit of momentum that they gained by tying the game by having Sonny go back out in the eighth and he instantly wasn't sharp and the defense fell apart and it just was a, it was an ugly inning and a sad ending to the best season in Vanderbilt baseball history. You know, uh, disappointing and I'm sure for those players. Um, then you have the Virginia South Carolina game, Aaron, where the closers threw more pitches than the starting pitchers. Uh, so there hasn't been, first off, there hasn't been a subsequent explanation other than he was sick for Danny Holson coming out of that game. Correct. That's right. And, and, you know, but it was very strange explanation because uh, Brian O'Connor t- twice said that he didn't want to put, do anything that would put Danny Holson's, career in jeopardy long term and you know if a guy's pitching with a flu it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense you know why why would that be putting the guy's career in jeopardy just because he's a little under because he's under the weather I mean, he was clearly, he, he was dealing I mean, let's he was face dealing. it he was tremendous I, I was shocked shocked that he came out with the flu i don't know what to say about it because i wasn't there i would have asked i i would hope i would have asked some pointed questions when your season's on the line, you're going to let your closer go more than 100 pitches, throwing a lot of sliders. Yeah, and, and, and you know, O'Connor was pressed about that in the postgame. Uh, he was pressed for clarification, and he, again, he just said, you know, he wasn't feeling well. I wasn't going to put his career in jeopardy, which just, again, doesn't make sense to me. But um, th- we had some reports of people who saw Holton kind of clenching and unclenching his, his uh, left wrist or le- le- left fingers, uh, which is kind of a strange thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to speculate about what it was. I hope it's nothing serious, no arm-related things. But uh, it was very 
uh, very unusual. If it was arm-related, I don't think he would have been striking out seven guys in the three innings. He was just – his stuff was top-grade Danny Holtzen stuff. It was, so, as, it was as good as it's ever been. And, you know, I talked to, you know, I talked to Andy Fletterjohn, the uh, Virginia SID, because uh, I said that's the best I'd ever seen Holtzen in, in probably, you know, ten times over the last three years. And, and he said, I think that's the best I've ever seen him too. And he's seen every Holtzen start. So uh, his stuff was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes when you're sick, uh, you focus a little bit better. And uh, you focus on the task at hand, and you don't waste any energy. So I thought it was very curious for Virginia to bring him out of that game. Obviously, that we've kind of said everything we can on that. Then you're gonna you are gonna jeopardize somebody when you stretch somebody out to more than 100 pitches who's never done that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Brendan Klein, they've talked about starting him, but he has has he ever been extended as he was extended on Friday? Well, yeah, as, as a freshman, he was he served as their midweek starter for a chunk of the year. Uh, but you know that was as a freshman he has not started at all this year um so you know I'm, I'm not really sure um what the longest he went this year was it certainly wasn't 100 pitches over five or so innings but uh that one you know that's a, that's a tricky one i mean both those guys uh you know they they have they they could start there's no question about it klein and price could be starters and a lot Correct. of people like like both those guys as starters in pro ball but the fact is they haven't been extended all year long uh, and I'm not sure if it's, it's such a good thing for them to, to be extended that far, um, you know, once at the end of the year. And I, and I agree with you. That, that, and here's here's my theory on why that's such a tough one. And, and you might, you know, when the series is over uh, and you have some time, you might ask a couple of the coaches about this one. You might even email some of the coaches who've been in Omaha about this one. I'm, I'm gonna. This will be a, a working point for me going forward. I think the the schedule in the Caldwell series works against bullpens it helps you set up your starting pitching more but i think it hurts the way coaches are used to using their bullpens and it makes it harder to manage your bullpens because of all the extra days off and that's why i think sully yeah he thought that was going to give him a better chance to win but why did he use toledo specifically he was getting toledo some work uh, as opposed to putting in nick Morande to start that seventh inning yeah, he wanted to bring in a right-hander and all that stuff, but he didn't go right, left, right, left. You know, he has six or seven guys. He was getting Tommy Toledo work, and he was getting then – then things started to get away from him, so he just was trying to win the game. Austin Maddox was going to pitch in that game no matter what because they needed to get him some work in Omaha before he got to the finals. And I think the reason that coaches do that is because the schedule is so spread out. Unless you're in the loser's bracket, you don't play back-to-back games. And we saw that work to the advantage of a pitching staff with some depth in Oregon State's runs. You know, in 06 and 07, they had to go to Daniel Turpin, you know, because they had no other choice. It worked to to South Carolina's advantage last year. They had to go to Michael Roth. They had no other choice. They discovered a star. You know, but when you don't have to do that, it shrinks your bullpen. Vanderbilt the other day, for example, if that game had gone to extra innings, they were never going to bring in their saves leader. Navery Moore was buried. He was done. They he lost a little stuff. And he hadn't pitched since regionals. You know, I think he was hurt too. I mean, that's I, very know, possible. But who else? That they, out there. That's very possible too. Who else were they going to possibly use? Florida. If you Florida gets to the finals and they had not used, uh, and Larson had made had thrown to one batter, and Toledo had not worked the entire Caldwell series. Were they going to go to those guys in the finals, do you think? you think with a national championship on the line, they'd use somebody whom they had not used for two weeks? I think that's what happened with both South Carolina and Virginia. 
They did not have another pitcher who'd gotten enough work that they trusted with their season on the line. And for South Carolina, even though their season was not on the line, the only relievers, I guess they, they, they'd use Mata for an inning, I think, in maybe in the Super Regional. If not in the Super Regional, it was in the Regional. Right. Um, and Webb for maybe a batter or two. But otherwise, it's been Taylor and Price. So they, yes. because of the schedule and because of their own success, their bullpen is a two-man bullpen. Right. I mean, so I, I'm not blaming the coaches. I'm not absolving the coaches of blame. But I'm just saying the way the schedule gets set up, I, in my opinion, Aaron, serves to shrink the bullpens for these teams because it's it's just harder for these coaches with so much on the line for them to go to a pitcher who has not thrown in a real game in a week, two weeks, sometimes three weeks. What do you think of that theory? I think it's it's pretty spot on. And, you know, there's also – uh, this this idea that you should go to your best guy and ride him when you get to Omaha, especially if he's rested. Right. And, you know, it, it, it worked so often. It worked for South Carolina last year with Matt Price, even though they did use more guys. They certainly rode Matt Price hard. Uh, it, you know, and it's worked. I mean, how many times have we seen closers come out of the bullpen and, and just give these four, five-inning relief outings? I mean, Andrew Kerrigan comes to mind. Yes. Um, you know, Kevin Gunderson comes to mind. Absolutely. You know, sure, I bet Houston Street's done it. I mean, it, it, it's something you see all the time out here. Oh, yeah. No, there's no doubt. And, uh, yeah, I, again, I'm not absolving the coaches. I, I, I There's really not a great excuse uh, or defense for using Klein as much as they did or Price as much as they did. But, you know, now Matt Price, let's, let's turn forward. Let's stop going over the path. Let's spin it forward. The problem for South Carolina, Aaron, seems to be that, you know, they don't – last year it was that they didn't have their starting pitching lined up. Now they don't have their starting pitching lined up and they don't have their number one – relief pitcher likely for tonight. Do you think South Carolina on Monday in the game, one of the finals where it's freshman Forrest Kumas, who hasn't thrown since regionals uh, versus ace Hudson Randall, who pitched very well against Texas in the first game of the Caldwell series. Do you think uh, how big of a deficit is it for South Carolina? And is Matt Price even available tonight? You think? Uh, it sounds like he's likely to be unavailable. Tanner wouldn't say for sure that he's unavailable, um, but uh, you know he said he's probably unavailable. Um, so you know, it, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think that what they're going to try to do is uh, they're going to go with Kumis as long as as long as it works. And and if he struggles early because he's he's again he's had 21 days off or whatever, uh, um, then you know they could go to Colby Holmes. Even though he's ideally you'd like to have Holmes start game two or three. But, uh, you know, if he gets into trouble, I think that's kind of the contingency plan. Uh, and then, uh, you know, after that, we're, we're, I'm sure we're going to see Jose Mata. We're going to see a healthy dose of John Taylor like we did against Virginia in, in the, their second game out here. Right. Um, and we, we might see some Tyler Webb as well. But they're going to try to piece it together without price, I suspect, in this game. Um, you know, they've got, uh, they've got Michael Roth probably lined up uh, to come back on Tuesday and three days rest. Um, I imagine. I mean, unless maybe if they win the first game, maybe a hold Roth for a potential clincher just to make sure, you, you know, just to play it safe and give them that extra day rest. I, I'm not sure. But uh, tough decisions for those guys to make out here. And, of course, the most notable injury that they're dealing with is Christian Walker, right. uh, who uh, sounds like is is very questionable. And I'm, I'm not expecting him to play uh, because of his wrist injury that he came up with on Friday. That's the next question for me is, are they really going to play Michael Roth at first base? Wasn't it, wouldn't it make more sense to try to put maybe like uh, one of their corner outfielders at first base and, you know, get Matthews, who's pinch run for them and his pinch hit, uh, and put him back on the outfield? Put a guy who's 
you know, a position player where, uh, or even a Stephen Neff, somebody who's played this year and who has hit and saved that potential wear and tear on Michael Roth. I mean, if Michael Roth is at first base, wouldn't you bunt at him every time if you're yeah. if you're Florida, if you're a guy with some speed? I'm talking. I'm looking at you, Cody Dent. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I suspect it's more likely if if Walker can't go. Uh, you'll probably see Rob Barry move from behind the plate to first base and, and Brady Thomas catch. But that's if Thomas can catch. I mean, he hasn't been able to in the entire postseason because of these foot injury he's got. So, um, you know, they're, they're a little bit banged up here. Uh, but it's like it's like Chad Holbrook sent out, you know, the assistant coach there. It's like he sent out on Twitter yesterday. Adversity is our normal. Uh, and it's that's true. for sure. Just, you know, I mean, they, they played the last two months of the season before Omaha without Jackie Bradley Jr. And they still got here. Um, you know, and he's their best player overall, uh, you know, so, and now, now they're without their best hitter. And, and I think, like you said, the bunt game to me, that's a big part of this. We saw bunts misplayed by both in, in both games on, on Friday. It was a big part of both of those games, um, in the decisive innings, especially. And, uh, you know, if, if South Carolina doesn't have its usual first baseman, um, I have to imagine Florida will try to take advantage of that, no matter whether it's Barry or Roth or whoever at first base. Let's talk a little bit about Florida. Florida had some significant adversity in the postseason. Brian Johnson with his concussion, Austin Maddox with his foot sprain. Uh, clearly, maybe not as dramatic as South Carolina's, but uh, but some adversity nonetheless. Uh, you know, last year UCLA had its pitching all set up, Aaron, and it didn't help them one whit against South Carolina. This year, Florida has its pitching set up. Hudson Randall may not be Garrett Cole or Trevor Bauer, but he's quite good. But the big separator seems to be that Florida offensively is quite powerful. And the yeah. biggest reason right now seems to be Preston Tucker is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. Yeah, you're right. Preston Tucker has uh, just been really locked in. He's got 19 RBIs in the postseason, and I don't think anyone else uh, in the NCAA tournament has more than 12. Um, so, I mean, he's also played, you know, quite a few games. But still, that's, uh, he's, he's come through for them time and time again. And, and you know, they haven't had – um, Austin Maddox in the middle of their lineup, and they really haven't needed him because they've been able to put um, Daniel Piggott and Tyler Thompson on the corners. They've both been swinging the bat well. They then moved Tucker to first base, uh, and, and and Tucker's picked up the slack in a big way. So, yeah, this 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 team to me is playing very confidently in all phases. Um, Kevin O'Sullivan said they're playing their best baseball of the year, and, and now's a good time to be doing that. You know, and they even, even though they you know their power stands out, that for for sure that's an advantage that they have over South Carolina. This park hasn't played that way. I'm not expecting their power to be a major factor, but you know they're they're still going to hit the ball hard. They're going to hit the ball in the gaps. They hit the ball off the wall maybe, and they can beat you a lot of different ways, as, as we saw against Vanderbilt, where the bunt game again loomed large. I mean, uh, the other issue for me is that if you go around pretty much position by position, uh, Florida has most of those advantages, and especially if Christian Walker's out of it, you know, boy, it really makes a, a big difference. I mean, I, I think that's a, that would be a giant hole in, in South Carolina's, uh, you know, lineup, and even a bigger hole than Jackie Bradley was, because I know that Walker hasn't been great down the second half of the year, but uh, he's still hitting better. Uh, the whole year and even in the second half than Jackie Bradley was in the first half uh, yeah. when he was kind of scuffling. Jackie Bradley looks like he's kind of locked in, though, out in Omaha, playing with a ton of confidence. And uh, I, I thought his swing has looked pretty good in, in the last two games, especially, Aaron. 
Yeah, uh, you know, I think he struggled a little bit on Friday. He didn't really uh, contribute a lot there. Yeah, he had a single and a walk, uh, so he was one for four or five. But, uh, you know, he before that, the last couple of games, I think he had had two hits, and he was hitting the ball hard. And, uh, yeah, he looks good. I mean, he really does. He, it's great to have him back in the outfield if you're South Carolina. I, I almost forgot how much fun it is to watch him defend because he just gets the ball so easily. And, he, you know, his, his reads are so good that he just kind of can glide to balls in the gap because he's gotten such a good first step to it. It's, uh, it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah, that ball he ran down in the gap the other day on Friday in, in the right center field gap where he, uh, yeah, he made it look so easy on a really difficult line drive to right center field. And on a big, yeah. a big outfield like there is at TD Ameritrade, who's playing big, uh, certainly helps to have a guy like Jackie Bradley out there. Um, last but not least, Aaron, what's what are our probable pitching matchups for games two and three? Who is Florida going to go with in game two? We know South Carolina has Roth possible there. You know, it depends on how what they use for Colby Holmes, uh, what they do with Colby Holmes in the first game after uh, Kuma starts. Who's our likely games two and three starters uh, for Florida if it gets that far? Well, Whitson's going to start game two for sure, and he's on full rest. Um, you know, and, and I thought, again, it was striking. Kevin O'Sullivan said the other day, uh, one of the reasons he started Pantaleotis on Friday uh, was that there was no chance that he was going to bring back Whitson on Saturday. Um, you know, he, he hadn't done that all year long. There was no, there was absolutely no way they were going to bring him back on, on less than full rest. Um, and so now they've got him on full rest on, on Tuesday. Uh, and then game three, they haven't said whether they would go with Pantaleotis or, you know, Brian Johnson, but I imagine it'd be Pantaleotis again. Boy, you got to think that uh, you want, what you have to wonder about, uh, Aaron, and I know I'm being a little presumptive, but I, we're both picking Florida in this. I mean, I think that's obvious, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, we're both picking Florida here. I said on the radio the other day, I think if Florida wins this national championship, um, this could be a dynasty in the making. If South Carolina, if they win the national championship, it's a dynasty made. You know, yeah. Back to back, that's a dynasty, especially if they don't lose. Say they go 2-0, and what a mind-blowing accomplishment to go back-to-back national championships in two different ballparks with all the injuries they've had, the turnover they had in their pitching rotation. Um, and then on top of that, if they don't lose, to win like 16 straight NCAA tournament games, that would be insane. I mean, I don't think you and, could write – even Travis Haney couldn't write enough words about South Carolina on that. I got to tell you too, you know, I, I can't help but feel like this South Carolina team – Reminds me of of the back to back Oregon State teams, and not you know certainly this team is better than the o eight or the o seven Oregon State team that went ten and fourteen in the pack and just got hot in the postseason. But the, the reason they remind me of that team is is you know they just believe they're going to win and they win, and it doesn't matter you know that they shouldn't win that they're not supposed to win. Uh, they this is one of those teams where the 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 confidence level, the swagger, the belief, the intangibles just make them elevate to a different level. It's so much like Oregon State in that respect. I think that's very accurate. Um, and like I said, if they go back-to-back, whew, it would be amazing. Like I said, that would be a dynasty made. I really think Florida is a dynasty in the making, though, Aaron, and the way they handle pitchers like Karsten Whitson, uh, like Tim Corbin said, uh, you're not supposed to get first-round picks like they did. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a sell. It's going to keep on feeding on itself. They have this great pitching depth, and one of the reasons is that Sully's a really good pitching coach, and he handles pitchers carefully. And it stands out in contrast to everybody else in college baseball. Not everybody else, but a lot of other teams. It was a contrast to Texas. It's in yeah. contrast to what Vanderbilt did the other day with Sonny Gray. Even though Vanderbilt's reputation for handling pitchers is second to none, now I would say it's second to Florida because of what happened yeah. Friday. 
it's clearly a contrast to South Carolina. It's a contrast to most other great programs in college baseball, and I think it's going to help Florida in recruiting, especially if they win. Now, if they don't win, I don't think it will help as much. So uh, I think it's what happens on the field really matters. But if Florida wins on the field the other day, they're already cleaning up and recruiting every year. Uh, most of these guys are going to be back next year, sophomores and juniors. Um, do you share that belief that if Florida wins this yeah. national championship, this is the first of several under Kevin O'Sullivan? I, I know that sounds presumptuous, but it really feels like it could be. I completely agree. I mean, I just think it's a it's a well-oiled machine right now. They're really rolling, uh, and and they're one of the only teams. I uh, was starting to look at my eight for Omaha for next year. They're the, they, them and, and they're the only slam dunk for me to, to be in there next year. I mean, there's a lot of teams that have a lot of holes to fill. They're going to be back, and and I think Stanford will be back. That's the other one that I feel pretty good about because of the I young agree. talent. But, yep, I agree but, with Stanford. Uh, but you know, I mean, Florida, like you said, for the foreseeable future, I mean, they, they're beating everybody in that state in recruiting. You know, I'm mean, sorry, but that's what all the scouts say. If you're Florida State or Miami, you're just getting you're getting beat pretty bad down there. Ever since Sully got there, um, and uh, you know, he gets everybody he wants. He gets, you know, he got lucky with Whitson. But even if you take Whitson aside, that was a good recruiting class, and we haven't even seen Keenan Kish and Daniel Gibson. Those guys are going to be nice pieces for them down the road. No doubt. I mean, you don't have to look any further than the fact that he's, A, that they're in Omaha back-to-back years, and B, that top recruiters at Miami and Florida State have both been pushed out. You know, yeah. They've had coaching staff changes. That tells you all you need to know. Um, the talent yeah. on the field tells you all you need to know, but then there's the other parts, too, that indicate just how much Florida is dominating recruiting in the state of Florida. And uh, we'll see if winning all the, you know, if, if these recruiting championships and, and all that talent uh, South Carolina has really good talent. They are an outstanding college baseball team that, like you said, gets pushed to another level by their belief. But uh, I think Florida believes. Florida lost there last year. They had that little bit of extra hunger. And uh, we'll see if uh, the talent, the fact that Florida is the more talented team. And like they said in the presser, well, last year they lost the series to South Carolina. And the, no, they well, they won the series of South Carolina, but then they lost, and then it was South Carolina that was celebrating, right? I, I'm mangling this. Help That's me right. out. Yeah, last year South Carolina watched as, as Florida dogpiled in their field. When the last week in the regular season, Florida went in there and and, and uh, won the SEC title by by taking that series in Columbia. But at the end of the year, with South Carolina had the last laugh here in Omaha, and Florida went 0 2. So this year, I think they'd like to reverse that. And uh, we're both predicting that they will, but I think it'll be a very entertaining College World Series finals. It's been uh, an entertaining season because of all the new, Aaron. Such a new year for college baseball. So much uh, that happened in the past that you kind of had to throw out the window. Um, I think even a year like that, the fact that uh, this Florida team was our number one preseason, that South Carolina was number seven for us in the preseason, I don't think was ever ranked lower than that all year. Um, We were on these teams. That's a credit to you and the Fit Matrix and all the things that you do. So kudos on another great year covering college baseball. Enjoy the finals. We'll look for your coverage at BaseballAmerica.com. Thank you, John. It's been a fun year. And, uh, again, like you, like you said, I'm looking forward to this finals. And, and as much as I'm picking Florida, don't be surprised if South Carolina finds a way again. They just they do that. You know, It's going to be a lot of fun. It is what they do. They battle. So for Aaron <laughs> Fit, for Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time at BaseballAmerica.com. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.